This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. How much do you know about personal finance? Things like KiwiSaver or getting a home loan? If the answer is, hmm, I don't actually know that much, then check out this next program, Finance Made Easy. It's a podcast series based on workshops held at Plains FM that explore everything from debt consolidation to buying your first home. Elise Vine is a financial advisor from Building on Basics who loves to chat about personal finance. This episode looks at managing debt. All right, so welcome back to the Finance Made Easy workshops. My name is Elise Vine and I'm a financial advisor. In New Zealand, financial advisors help people to understand their money, provide them access to insurance and finance or uh, loans. We don't actually have the money, we don't provide the insurance, but we provide access to the different insurance providers and the likes. We also help with investments or things as simple as budgeting advice. And last, the last podcast that we did was on spending plans and budgets, and we learned a bit about how people access their money or use their money and the sorts of trouble that they can get themselves into. So as a financial advisor, I'm registered on the financial services provider register, and we're going to talk through um, some of the things we're going to talk about today is about managing your debt. Now, we had originally called this the debt consolidation workshop, uh, only to find out that nobody knew what debt consolidation meant. So thinking about it, we renamed it to managing your debt, but thinking about it even more, we should have possibly called getting rid of your debt, and that would have been more attractive. What I need to talk about is the disclaimer, which I do at the beginning of every workshop, which is basically the information given during this workshop is for information and education purposes only and is not specific advice. So you will have you will have questions and they might be specific to you, but the way that I'm going to answer them will be general advice and not, because I don't know your full circumstances, I can't give you specific advice. My company, Building on Basics Limited, and I are registered on the Financial Services Provider Register. To find out other important information about myself, Elise Vine, and Building on Basics, go to our website www.buildingonbasics.co.nz and look at important info. This explains the services I provide and how I'm paid, along with other important information like our complaints process, which we use as our ways to improve our services, and our privacy policy, so so you can understand how your data is used. So let's get started. So the purpose of this workshop is all about understanding your debt and getting rid of the debt as quickly as possible. What we're going to talk about is what happens when you apply for credit. Who's heard of a credit report or credit score? Nobody? No? And we'll talk about how that uh, affects you and your ability to go and get money. Uh, we'll talk about the different types of credit. And most people would think that the um, talk about... Uh, your house loan or your mortgage, uh, personal loans, car loans, there's all sorts of different types of debt. So debt is anything or credit is anywhere where you owe somebody else and it's whether you owe them and are you going to pay them in one day or in 30 years as you do with a mortgage. Consolidating your debt. So that means bringing all the different loans and and, uh, different debts that you've got into a single loan. And sometimes it's a good idea to simplify your finances, and sometimes it's not a good idea. So we'll talk more about what that means and when you should do that and um, or what, the, what the cost could be to you with consolidating it. We'll provide some answers to some general questions and have some general discussion on the different types of questions you've got. So any questions you ask, I'm going to take as uh, questions that um, you've got for a friend and uh, we'll answer it from that perspective in a general way and we can always talk later specifically about your circumstances. So what does managing your debt mean? What do you think? So it's organising the debts, making sure that you're making the payments and paying them off. Yeah. So managing your debt is all about, um, we've got different types of debt. 
So what we want to do is we want to pay off the ones that cost us the most, the fastest. Okay, so it's not always going to be um, what you think you should be doing. So you might have the largest debt, so you want to concentrate on paying that off. Or for some people, they want to have a quick win. So paying off the smallest debt is the thing that they like to concentrate on so that they've got fewer debts. But sometimes um, you need to be looking at things from a different perspective. And we'll talk about that. So managing your debt means making sure that you've got enough money to pay the debts that you've got. Okay, so part of managing your debt is going back at the starting point, which is doing your spending plan or your budget, depending on which language you want to be looking at. So knowing that what you, for you to be able to set up your, your debt repayment plans, you need to make sure that you've got sufficient income in, coming in to pay the debts. Some of the debts that you can get these days, it's very easy to overextend yourself uh, with the likes of the afterpay, our pay and laybys systems because they they give you a, a credit limit of three thousand dollars really quickly and then um, if you rack up that three thousand dollars then you may not actually be able to pay it back if you've got too many of them on the go at once so managing your debt is all about understanding how much money you've got coming in and how much you've got going out and making sure that you're paying them in a timely manner and focusing on paying the um, the highest interest rate first to clear to clear the loans. So, we've got debt. Well, how did we get the debt? So, what happens before you borrow? For some people, before they borrow, it's a bit of a thoughtless activity. I want it. I'm going to have it. And in the store, they offer credit, and we um, can get that quite quickly. And they fill in a couple of forms, and then the Retail staff make a phone call or plug it into a system and suddenly they've got the credit has been given. Does the shop assistant know what other commitments you've got at that point? What checks have they done to see that you can afford to be paying the um, credit that they've just given you? Very few. Under the triple CFA, Consumer Credit Contracts Finance Act, they're changing the rules to make sure that those sorts of credit facilities, are, that they've got more checks and balances in place to make sure that it is responsible lending and they're not setting the consumer up for failure and uh, for defaulting on the loans um, by changing the responsible lending code uh, for the way that they provide that credit. We're responsible for our finances. We're responsible for making sure that we've got money coming in. We're responsible for making sure that what's going out is less than what we've got coming in. So before we go and get debt, let's understand the sort of debts that we might have. There's such a thing as good debt and there's such a thing as bad debt. You don't often find it in the dictionary. But good debt is a debt that's going to help you build your assets. Good debt often helps you produce an income. Okay? Bad debt is debt that's used to purchase things that are typically worth less than what you paid or decrease in value. Clothes make us feel good and uh, allow us to go out without um, being indecent, um, but um, they're not uh, an asset that we should potentially be going and getting credit for because it's not going to produce us a, a a return other than the good feeling of we look good in these new clothes. Okay, Cars, again, as long as we've got a vehicle to get us from A to B, if we can't use public transport, in some areas public transport's not very good or takes us too long to get to, to different locations through the, the public transport systems, um, that we need to have a vehicle to get around. But making sure we go and get a vehicle that we can afford is really important. For most of these items, saving to, before, to buy them is a better option than borrowing to pay for them. A car, a car loan, may be, a, may be good debt if that car is helping us to provide an income. So if we're an Uber driver and we need a vehicle of a certain age to be able to do work or to be able to, to provide that service, then the car loan, we may be able to claim some of the costs as good debt. 
because it's business related. Again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant, I am a financial advisor, so you need to seek accounting and legal advice on these topics. Okay, But conceptually, um, the uh, interest that you're buying, that you're using for the vehicle, is, and it depends on how, whether the vehicle is 100% um, personal use or 100% Uber use, um, then the amount you can claim uh, of the interest or the loan is dependent on that, that percentage and seek accounting advice. If you borrow or have credit, you need insurance to make sure that the, in the event that something happens to you, that the debt can be repaid. There are a number of instances where people have taken out car loans and they've had an accident and the car has been written off. But because they had no car insurance and they had no debt repayment insurance, they got bought the car for 20,000, it was only worth 10,000, but they still owe 19,000 or 17,000 on the car. Um, they owe, still owe 7,000 more once the insurance is paid out and um, they've still got to pay that back to the bank or to the lender that provided them the money. Just because you don't own the car anymore doesn't mean to say that the debt goes away. So making sure you have insurance is, is, is important. So good debt is debt that is going to produce an income or is going to give you an asset that is going to grow in value. Okay. About the insurance, does it include life insurance of the person if something happens? So life, dies? life insurance, so great question. So does it include um, life insurance? Um, is that the type of insurance that you need? So if you, the question is, what sort of insurance do we need? So if we've got a, a loan, um, then we need to have either income insurance to make sure that we can keep paying the, um, the, the, uh, the outgoings or the, the expenses, or we need um, specific loan insurance to say that the debt will be repaid in the event that certain things happen. Um, we definitely need um, asset insurance and for the asset that you have purchased. And you won't get asset insurance for, for things like clothes, you will get contents insurance. But then it requires a, a house fire or a theft um, but to, to, to pay out on the insurance. And then your contents for, uh, insurance excess would probably not make it worth insuring for things like clothes. So it is a specific loan insurance or income type covers will be good. Life insurance only is only useful um, if you die. So that means that it pays off, not, yet, not just yet anybody, please. Um, it's only good if um, for the people that you leave behind to make sure that any debts that you have get paid out. That's what I meant. Yep. Um, the chances... Oh, I got a question. Uh, isn't it mandatory to have an, have an insurance if you finance a car or a, another property? No, it's not mandatory. Some banks um, like you to, um, if you're getting the, the debt with a bank, um, they'll uh, request that you do or provide um, proof that you have some sort of cover in, in for that loan, um, but not all banks are like that. Um, and you, if you have other insurances in place that you don't need that cover, then you don't want to be paying for it twice. Okay. So um, some banks hide it in fees as well, which is also a naughty thing to do. So it's about understanding the loan documents and what you are signing when you sign up for, for debt. In Sri Lanka, it is mandatory to have an insurance if you finance a car or another property. And it has to be a full insurance. Yep. If it is a vehicle, it has to be a full insurance, not a third party one. So in New Zealand, um, a bank or a lender will not insure on, uh, will not lend for a property um, unless you have full replacement value on the on the house, and that the cover is suitable for the for the property, um, i.e. that it's got no exclusions. So good questions. Okay, so before you borrow, you need to know the costs. So if we borrow money from mum and dad and we're kids, then the chances are we're not being charged any interest. So um, as kids, maybe, depending on how good the children are being, right? There might be a tax there somewhere. But before you borrow, what you need to know is how much is that loan going to cost you? And often there are set up charges 
There'll be interest charges and you need to know whether you're being charged the interest in advance or in arrears. Um, you need to know how often the repayments are going to be and when the first repayment is coming out. If you get paid on a Wednesday and the first repayment's coming out on a Tuesday, and typically by Tuesday you don't have much money left, then you're going to be in trouble. Okay, So the timing of the payments is really important as well. You need to know how much your repayments are going to be. And under the new triple CFA rules, you also need to know how much it's going to cost you to pay back the debt. So how long the term of the loan is, and any costs that are associated with it, and the total amount of interest that you will pay on the loan. It's really important to know whether you're sure you want to get the debt for what you're about to buy. So having that information, it's a bit like your spending plans and budgets. Being conscious about what this is actually going to cost you is really important. There are a number of facilities out there like Gem Visa, QCard, Afterpay, Pay, Layby, where you get a certain amount of time interest free. So the only costs are the setup of the account and potentially a monthly account fee, depending on which facility you're using. Or it might be an annual card fee for the likes of QCard and Gem Visa. So you need to understand what all the costs are that are associated with that transaction. Then you might decide, actually, I don't want to borrow for this item. Credit myths. You need a credit card or something on high purchase to get a credit record. Not true. You create a credit record by having a, um, a utility bill, like a power bill or a phone bill. The moment you open up any sort of account gives you a credit history. Okay, The utilities um, like uh, Mercury, uh, Contact Energy, all of those types of companies all report into the credit agencies which we're going to talk about later on and they track to see how much, uh, to see what your credit limit is and whether you're making your payments on time and they can tell you if you're one day late or multiple days late. Uh, and that is all part of your credit report. Applying for credit affects your credit rating. Used, this used to be the case. So every time you applied for credit, it used to go as a, a negative on your credit report. Now when you go to apply for credit um, and you're just doing an inquiry, an inquiry goes onto your report, but not it doesn't um, go as a mark against you. Okay, So if you go and make an inquiry about getting a car loan, but you don't actually follow through and get the car loan, then um, there's just an inquiry from, say, Finance Now or UDC or Merit Finance, whoever you've got the car loan for. Um, so it'll be, show that there's been an inquiry from them, but that there's no loan has actually been taken out. Borrowing is best no matter what your circumstances. If I have to have it, then definitely I'm going to borrow for it. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. That is not the true. Okay, so um, you need to know whether you can afford the loan for what you're buying or the credit that for the item that you're buying. So you apply for credit when you don't have the cash for what you need right now. Or if you've got the cash but the cash is set aside for something um, more urgent or more specific and you can't use that cash to, to do what you're needing. So when you get things like a um, internet at home, it used to be that we all had telephones at home, landlines, um, but uh, more now it's just the internet, um, landlines are a thing of the past, uh, or getting power, then um, you're using the power before you get the bill, typically, unless you're on Glowbug or Kiwi, electric Kiwi where you pay in advance then um, you're using credit to, to use the services and the facilities. So when you apply for credit with the lender or business, they'll do a credit check which puts an, an inquiry record on your credit report, which is what we talked about just before. They will check your income and ability to repay the debt. Now, your power company doesn't check your income. 
they don't even ask if you've got a job or if you've got any form of income to do it. Um, but what they do do is they do do the, the check on your credit to see if you've been making your payments. If you're not making payments and you've got a lot of defaults, then you may find it hard to even get your power connected. And this is one of the problems that we've got within, within uh, New Zealand society that power is a, should be a human right. Um, but actually getting access to it is becoming increasingly difficult if you have bad credit. So lenders and businesses should follow the Responsible Lending Code, which we've talked about, to check that you have the ability to repay the debt. Okay. The Consumers Guarantee Act um, also applies, so whatever you're buying needs to stand up to any of the consumers' guarantees, so you want the product to be fit for purpose. The Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act of 2003 applies and there's been some um, significant changes that have been coming through. The first lot went in in May, another lot coming in in October this year. That's going to change the way that people that provide credit are, are, are operating and acting. Fair Trading Act also applies to make sure that they're operating and what the advertising is um, meeting meeting. Um, the needs and is what they say it's going to do, it, it actually does. <coughs> Credit reporting companies, who actually holds the data? So there's three main companies in New Zealand that hold it. Centrix, Equifax and Illion are the three companies. And they collect the data from all sorts of different providers. They collect it from banks, they collect it from telcos, they collect it from energy companies, anybody that is providing any lending. There's also um, if you um, fail to pay your rent, you can also get that reported to the credit agency. The credit agencies also have access in and collect information on your criminal record. And they check the uh, securities register and also the um, any registers for uh, liquidations of companies, your director's responsibilities, so they find out who, whether you're a director of a company or not, or whether you've been bankrupt. So those are the private company or...? They're private entities, uh, private companies, that are, are collecting all that information. So they pay for those data or they don't pay? Uh, the data that, I'm, I'm not sure whether they pay for um, collecting the data, but to access the data, um, people pay to access the data. Even for your personal? No, so you can access your own personal data um, without needing to pay for it. Um, you can always access it because under the Privacy Act you are entitled to access your own information. But when a company, so as a mortgage advisor, I need to access information about um, my clients to see whether they've remembered to tell me everything because often they have, um, oh I forgot about that because it was so so long ago um, that we need to do those credit reports to find out what they might have forgotten to tell us. Um, or um, So I pay for access to these reports. Uh, banks will be paying for access to the information and then they'll be providing information to keep the information current. So it's something legal, it's not illegal. It's something legal. Private, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you sign up for your um, power, yeah. your uh, one of the terms of trade will be that they can keep that information and share it with uh, credit reporting agencies. And that, that you're also authorising them to check your credit credit at that point to check to see that you're you're going to have the ability to, to pay the pay the pay the money. Do they have access to credit records only in New Zealand or they have access to all of the credit records of an individual person? Internationally, no. So um, I believe these uh, in New Zealand, when I've run reports, it's only reporting on the New Zealand, um, New Zealand situation. So, so each individual is having a particular code in their Credit. So that code only be available on the credit report itself or is it linked to like your bank accounts or any other thing? Correct. So yeah, so the database the, the data should be held within New Zealand for you um, and not externally. Not external to New Zealand. Okay. These are all great questions. So 
um, knowing who's got your data is, um, is an important question. And the thing is that often we're doing something quite quickly and we're signing it, ah, oh, no, I just want this, I just want to get on to do the next thing. We're not actually reading those full terms of trade, so we're missing those little, little bits of information. So a credit report and a credit score. So we're talking about all these things. We haven't yet started to talk about managing our debt or getting it paid back, have we? We're all, all we're talking about is actually getting that debt. So it was a bit like last week when we were talking about the, um, the spending plans and the different types of spenders and all that money attitude. This is, again, really important to actually getting things paid back. And it's actually understanding what we've got and why we've got it and what it is costing us. So your credit report and credit score. So this, these are different depending on which credit agency you use and the format uh, may be slightly different for each um, provider. But what they'll have is they'll have a credit score. They'll have uh, a timeline to see whether you've been making your payments on time. And they typically look back over the last two to three years. And when you go and go to the bank to get a loan, they're looking at your behaviour in the last six months. So as kids, we might have done something a little bit naughty. We want to be forgiven for that bad behaviour and to be able to prove that we've changed our ways and so on. So the banks typically look back at the last six months unless they see something on your credit report that says, mm, I need to look a bit further into your, into your history and, and to understand what's, what's going on. As a mortgage advisor or a, a lending specialist, um, it's my job to understand if you have had a bit of a hiccup with your credit, um, the, what, what the situation was that arose. And um, there were a number of people in Christchurch and um, pre um, the uh, Christchurch quakes. They had perfect credit, credit reports and credit history. But then the quakes happened and they couldn't access their businesses or they lost their jobs because the businesses shut down because they didn't have, um, the businesses couldn't run because they didn't have the facilities. So suddenly people that had been paying their bills and, and operating beautifully and perfectly within their credit and income, um, suddenly they had businesses that were needing to be liquidated or shut down and they had bad debts or they might have even been made bankrupt because of um, uh, the, the, they weren't able to meet their, their mortgage payments or whatever reasons um, that, that they weren't able to do it. So it wasn't their fault that there was an earthquake. It wasn't their fault potentially that the building wasn't structurally sound um, and that they couldn't get in. Their building might have actually been okay, but the buildings around them might have been damaged and they couldn't get into to operate because the whole CBD was closed off. Similarly with the pandemic. Suddenly businesses were shut and they couldn't operate or they had no customers to operate. So was it their fault that there was a pandemic? No. So can there be situations that arise that can give you a bad credit uh, report or a bad credit rating? Absolutely. And it's our job to understand what it was that happened. Was it something within your control? Is there something that has now changed so that that is no longer going to arise? What have we done to safeguard ourselves for the future? To say that you're, you're worth, um, worthy of getting, getting the credit now. So it also checks for any applications for credit. So whether you've actually taken out the debt or not. So if you are going to lots of different banks all at the same time applying for credit, that will have an inquiry each time you uh, inquire at the bank. It does it at the time when you actually say, yes, I'm serious about it. So if you go in and talk to somebody at your bank about, oh, I want to get a personal loan for $5,000 or whatever it is, um, but you're only talking to them, could I possibly get this loan? There, uh, and you're just talking to your branch or your personal banker at the, at the branch, then um, it's not until you actually say, yes, I want to apply, that the credit inquiry uh, would go on your report. Okay. Insolvency. So if you've had a business that's failed or you've been judged bankrupt, those all appear on your credit report. Any court judgments if you owe something. Um, any credit defaults. So if we haven't been paying our, our accounts. If you're a company director or have a shareholding, that information is also um, shows up on your credit report. 
Power and phone bills are monitored on credit file along with credit card and other loan payments. Some landlords also supply information for your credit file. So if you have been consistently late with your rent um, and the landlord wants to make sure that um, nobody else gets caught um, with you not paying your rent, um, um, then they put that on onto the credit report. There was a database of landlords where they were registering all of those um, bad tenants, um, but I believe they had to take that down because they didn't have the approval for actually putting the information into that into that database. Um, but they do have information on the on your tenancy application forms for putting it up onto credit reports and to run a credit check. Right, so when you get a credit report, this is an example from centrix.co.nz. So the credit scores are, um, the higher your credit score, the better your rating. If your score is greater than 892, that's deemed an excellent. And about 20% of the population um, falls into that category of having excellent credit rating. If you have a credit score of between 825 and 892, you're considered to have a very good credit record. And again, about 20% of the population falls into that category. If you've got a, a, a very good rating, you should be eligible for most credit cards, loans and utility services. If you've got a credit rating of 706 to 824, that's deemed average. And about 30% of the population has that credit score. And you should be eligible again for um, for most credit cards, loans and utility services. If you've had a few late payments, then your credit score might be starting to slip. And if you're in the range of 496 to 705, then your credit score would be deemed fair. And about 20% of the population falls into this category. In this situation, you'll still be able to get a credit card or a loan or utility services, but there could be some conditions. So at, at a fair rating, you might find that you don't get the best rate. So um, you'll see that they advertise on TV for loans, for cars or personal loans, and they say from 6.99 or from 9.95. If you're in the excellent, you get the best rating of 6.99. If you're in the fair, then you might be at the 12 or 13%. Okay. If our credit rating is less than 496, then we're in the poor category. So 10% of the population falls into this category, and you're more likely to be rejected for most credit card or loan facilities. Okay, That's from the traditional lenders. There are the loan sharks out there that will give you the credit regardless, and these new changes coming through with the triple CFA are things that have been put into safeguard from those sorts of vultures and for giving people additional credit um, when, they, when they shouldn't. If we want credit and we're that desperate because we need the money to pay our rent or to feed our children, then we have to use other social services. Please don't go to those payday sharks. Do not be paying high interest on things that are going to get you trapped and you're never going to get out of that debt cycle. It's tough. So credit payment history. On the report, it gives you a, uh, a record and it indicates whether there's been a no payment or whether your uh, no payment is required, so you're current. So it might have an N or it might have a U, so it's unreported or unavailable. So sometimes the credit provider or the energy company hasn't sent through their latest data, so it goes as a U as unreported or unavailable. If you've got a code of zero, that means your payment's up to date at, as at the cycle date, and if you're in overdraft, you're within the agreed limit on your overdraft. If you're one, then you're between one and 29 days past. A grace period of up to 14 calendar days may be observed by individual credit providers. So um, if you have your two degrees bill is due on the 20th of the month and you pay it on the 20th but the payment doesn't go through because you paid it after 10 o'clock at night and it's with a you're with a different bank, 
it doesn't show up at two degrees until the next business day, then you could be having a one on your uh, on your score, even though you paid it on time out of your account, it hasn't arrived at the provider on time. You get a two if you're between 30 and 59 days past due. A three if you're between 60 and 89 days past due. A four if you're between 90 and 119 days past due. A five if you're 120 to 149 days past due. Six if you're between 150 and 179 days past due. An X, which you really don't want to have. If you're 180 days past due date uh, and payments more than 180 days in arrears. Holidays, public holidays. So the question is, how about public holidays? So if you have a payment that's due on, um, let's use Anzac Day, which is 25th of April, the payment's due on the 25th of April because it's due on the 25th of every month, but the 25th happens to be Anzac Day. That's a public holiday, so the payments won't be processed. So your bank will probably process that payment on the next business day. So it's up to you to either pay it the day before or not. If the banks are looking at it and they see that there's a one in there, then um, on, your, on your power bill, they'll look at the month and it could be that they note that there's a public holiday there that may have caused it. So they'll, they'll interpret the data as well as just looking at the score um, when they're looking to give you credit. So they're looking for reasons for why. So this scale has been developed by the government or? This is the, um, it's fairly similar with each credit rating agency, um, but the, each of them have got their own way of looking at the report. And the one that we're just looking at here is for the Centrex report. So it, with each report that you get, they give you a way to read the report um, and how to interpret it. So, so each individual is having a particular code in their credit record. So that code only be available on the credit report itself or is it linked to like your bank account or any other thing? No, so it's, it's linked to uh, within the credit rating agency. It's all held at that, at that point. Um, the bank will have a rating for you in terms of how you're behaving um, within their banking systems as well and so will, so will other lenders. Um, but it's um, these are the ones just from the credit credit reporting side of things. How can we know our credit code? So we can go to. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But if you go to um, My Centrix or go to any of them, Equifax or Illion, you can request your credit report. Um, the one that my favourite is this um, mycentrix.co.nz um, because it gives you a really clear understanding and it's a very easy to, to read report. I have had some people when they've run their report go, oh, it doesn't have this on there. So um, there's a, a couple of things that may, sometimes things don't show up on your report and so it's good, good to know what's there. It's free for you to download. All you need is um, some form of ID and um, they send it to you with a uh, password encrypted file for you to open up because it's got a lot of sensitive information on there. Uh, what about if you're paying automatically every month? Yep. Are you going to be affected if it's a public holiday? Yeah, so, this, so the question is if you've got automatic payments set up to, to go out um, or you've got direct debits set up to go out, Direct debits are controlled by the um, provider um, and, and automatic payments are controlled by you. So with an automatic payment, the banks typically do that the next business day if it's a public holiday and um, so you could be a day late. So that's what I was talking about before. Yeah. You could have an H on there if you're in hardship. So you have gone to the, to the bank or to the credit agency and said, hey look, um, I've lost my job um, due to the pandemic, I'm having a few issues, can we come to some arrangement with there? Then they put an H on there to say that you're in hardship conditions. Um, if it's got an R, then it's been re-aged by a credit provider. Okay, so that means that they've changed, changed the way that they're looking at, at the debt. So credit cards, let's talk about the different types of credit we can now apply for. So a credit card, you need to be 18 years or over, uh, eight, 
aged 18 or over to be able to qualify to get a credit card. Um, and there's a lot of uh, parents that give their children credit cards, um, but it's actually just their credit card that the kids are, are using um, with a pin, and it's meant to be for emergency use only. So they say. Okay, things to, to know about using a credit card. A credit card can have between 30 and 55 days of free credit. And that works by you spend on the 1st of the month, your statement date is on the 28th of the month, and then your credit card is due to be paid on the 15th. So between the 1st when you made the payment and the 28th when the statement came out, there's been no interest charge on that, on that uh, purchase. But if you took the money out as a cash advance on your credit card, you'd be start to pay interest immediately and at a very, very high rate. Okay, um, So you can have between typically 30 and 55 days, depending on the date of your purchase. If you use your credit card and pay for items, and then you pay it on the date or before the date that the statement is due, then these items will be interest-free. So that's great. We can use somebody else's money for that 30 to 55 days without, having, without costing us any, any additional charges. If you don't pay the balance in full each month, then you could be charged interest between 9.95 to 22.5%, depending on the type of credit card you've got. If you take cash out, withdraw cash, then you immediately start accruing interest and typically the rate is around 20% or higher. Store cards like Farmers Cards, Warehouse, Money Visa, Gem Visa, Q MasterCard are only good if you're paying off each, off each month and or within the interest-free period. But be aware there are monthly charges for having some of these facilities. So it could be as little as $5 a month but that can add up over the, over the cost of the purchase. Q and Gem Visa, when we looked at these rates um, just this week, they are typically charged out at 25.99% if you are outside of the interest-free period or if the transaction did not qualify for an interest-free period. Okay, Those are scary numbers. So car loans, when you buy a car, if you don't have cash and you need to borrow, you can get financed in the following ways. You can extend a mortgage if you have a house with a mortgage to, um, to extend and if you've got some equity available in the property. You could get a bank loan, which could be between 7.95% and 18.99%. And again, it depends on your credit score. The finance companies are between 699 and 2995 and again, it depends on your credit score. So if you're at the excellent rating, then you'll get the 6.99. If you're at that um, fair, then you may be up that 29.95%. Fees and charges, there are lots of different types of fees and charges and that can add up to quite a lot. And typically the finance companies have many different types of charges. Loan payment insurance, finance companies and banks may require you to have the insurance to repay the debt if something happens to you. It's not compulsory, but um, it can be quite costly if your car is written off and you don't have it. Disclosure statements by law, the lenders must provide you disclosure statement outlining all the fees, charges, interest charged, and how the interest is calculated and what happens if you can't make payments. Okay. Some of the car loan fees might be, and we got this from a UDC finance standard fees as at December 2019, but just to give you a bit of an idea. So establishment fees were um, $195. That's for just the cost of processing and assessing your uh, and approving your finance. Uh, and it's only charged if the finance application is approved. The PPSR, which is the Personal Property Security Register, um, so to secure the debt, on, register the debt on the on that register is ten dollars thirty-five. Maintenance. So this fee is charged to align with the frequency of your loan repayments and covers the cost of keeping your loan active. So if you're paying fortnightly rather than monthly, then it's two dollars per transaction. But typically it's two dollars a month because they get you to pay your loan monthly. 
by paying your loan monthly, you make fewer payments, so it costs you more interest. The more frequent your payments, the cheaper it is for you, but then the more fees you've got. Early resettlement, great. I want to pay it back. I'm going to be charged to pay it back early. So if you come into some money through an inheritance or somebody gives you a gift or you work some extra overtime, you can still be charged um, a fee for, for paying it back early. It can be, for UDC, it's $7 plus a variable amount depending on how much is still out, outstanding. Missed payments. This is just for car loan missed payment penalties and fees. Default interest charge of 5% plus per annum, plus annual interest rate stipulated in the contract. So if you're paying 13.95%, then they'll charge you 18.95 if you're in default. There'll be a dishonoured fee of $3.50. There'll be a late payment fee if you pay it late of $60. There'll be a repossession action fee if they're going to take the asset back because you've failed to pay. And there are other fees depending on the, the cost of the, what they've, when they've sold the asset, what's, what's left to pay. So we thought we were just buying a car. We thought it was just going to cost us 13% for the loan. We thought our payments were just going to be 295 We miss a payment or um, we're a day late and we can have late penalty fees of $60. We don't realise that we're late with the payment and suddenly we're into default interest rates of 18.95%. This is why it's important that we know what's happening with our money. Personal loans. Family and friends. These can be free, but they can come at an emotional cost and they can come at a relationship cost. Okay, So um, borrowing money from friends and family can work and in other instances it can, be a, it can cause a split in that relationship or cause bad, bad blood. So friends and family, they may, cost you, they may lend you um, money and it may have um, an interest rate or not, depending on what the thing is. It's best to document what you're agreeing and treat that aspect of the relationship as a business transaction and keep your personal side out of it. Um, so deal with it on, the, on, the, on a business basis. Banks need to know about these loans and any associated repayment when you go to the bank. So this is really important when you're going to buy a house. If you're borrowing money from your friends or from your family towards the deposit to help you get into a home, if there's any need to repay that money, then that must be declared when you do your loan application. Okay. It's recommended that it's documented to protect both parties. Uh, this is important if somebody dies or somebody becomes incapacitated and is no longer able to deal with their finances. Um, if there's no documentation, then the fact that I lent some money to somebody and if I haven't documented it, then I've got no way to get that money back out of the estate or anything. Um, I, I'm going to have to write that money off. That's fine if it's $50 or $100, but if we're talking larger sums, then, then that uh, may, may make a difference to us. Banks and credit unions, interest rates uh, will depend on your credit score um, between 6.99% and 19.95%. Loan terms for um, personal loans are typically between three to seven years. Typically they're capped at 30,000 or less. It may be secured against a vehicle if the vehicle is a newer car. So if you've got a, a 15 year old vehicle, then they're unlikely to use that as security. So therefore it's gonna be at the higher end of the interest rates. There's fees for setting up, it may require the repayment insurance and for many you can repay early without uh, a penalty but you need to check the terms and that's from the bank's perspective. They're happy for you to pay it back early um, which is great, um, I believe that's the way it should be. Payday loans, loan shops, some would say a necessary evil, I don't think so. But the interest rates will depend on your credit score um, and they go as high as 29.95%. Short-term lending, typically up to three years. They're normally unsecured loans and there are lots of fees. So a loan establishment fee for one-off setup, setup charge for your loan 
could be between 95 to 495 depending on the amount of the new money being borrowed. It has an administration fee of $2.50 per instalment. So again, you're encouraged to pay more frequently um, to reduce your interest costs, but then you're charged $2.50 per instalment. So that could potentially be worth paying more interest and just doing one lump sum payment. Variation fee, one off charged if your loan terms are changed of $50. $50. Full repayment um, fee, you get charged, uh, even though you've done everything as per the agreement, you get charged $125 plus any calculated loss when you do a full repayment fee. So it's sneaky the ways that we can be caught with these additional charges and if we don't understand the loan that we're getting, then that can give us some, some surprises later on. Higher purchase, take the item home now and pay for it later. The interest uh, rate is typically between 17 to 27%. The loan term typically is less than 36 months and may have an interest-free period. Items are typically under the value of 5000 and there are fees for setting up. And uh, for many, you can pay early without any penalty, but you need to check the terms on the specific high purchase that you've, that you've got. Pay later systems like Afterpay. Afterpay, lay-by, our pay, um, there's a heap of them out there, zip, um, zip pay. There are facilities where you can go into a shop, buy something and pay for it over the next three weeks or whatever it is um, in instalments. So an example is pay 25, take the dollars now, take the item home and typically pay the, off the rest in three fortnightly payments. It uses an app and, um, and you can apply for the finance on your phone and it's approved almost immediately. Um, if you miss a repayment because you don't have enough funds in your account, then Afterpay uh, will deduct $25 and you are charged a $10 penalty. If you have too many items, too many happening at once, you may find that you um, can't afford it and then you end up with lots of penalties and that's when you get, get stuck and in, in trouble. Banks don't like you using them because they've got no idea um, how you're, whether you've got um, the ability to pay and how often you're going to be using them. So um, often they'll ask you to close those accounts um, as part of the, your finance application. If you can't wait three pays for something um, that is frivolous then um, you're, and you're needing to put it on the afterpay system, uh, the question is, did you really want it? Did you really need it? Um, so have a think about that. And again, it comes down to your spending plan. Is this planned expenditure or not? Simplifying your loan payments is all about debt consolidation. So managing your debt. If we have four or five different loans, we might have a couple of different credit cards, we might have a car loan, we might have a personal loan, then we might have the mortgage. If we're finding that we're paying more and more interest on our credit cards and the balance does not seem to be going down, doesn't matter what we're doing in terms of putting money on it, then we need to do something different to try and clear those debts. It might be that we suddenly realise that we're a spender and that credit cards and store cards are not the best for us. So one of the things that we can do is Instead of just wrapping everything up into one loan and taking it to a bank or a, a lender to get a, a debt consolidation loan, as the industry calls them, or to get a single debt to wrap all those debt, debts up into one, we can go to some of the banks and ask to do a balance transfer of our credit card balance. So let's say that we have a Westpac credit card and we have a Kiwi Bank credit card We've got $3,000 on one and $2,000 on the other, so we've got close to $5,000 worth of limit on our two credit cards, and we're almost at the limit of both cards. So what we could do is we could go to another bank, say the cooperative bank, who were recently running a, a, a program where you could take the balance of those other two credit cards, take it to the cooperative bank, and they would put you on a 12-month program of interest-free to pay that down, okay? Their standard terms are six months interest free. 
ANZ have a 12-month thing where you can balance the transfer the balances of the other credit cards to their credit card facility and you pay 1.99% interest. Some of the other banks run um, programs where you can have it six months interest free to help you get back on top of paying off your loans and paying your credit cards. So the first thing to do is if you've got credit cards and store cards and that includes the things like GEM, Visa and um, Q cards where they might be charging 25.99% interest. The first thing to try and do is do a balance transfer and get it for um, interest free for as long as you can. If you can't then looking at the 1.99s from um, the likes of the ANZ cards but again you're going to have to do a finance application with the, with the bank for this. You could refinance a car or personal loan to a new provider at a cheaper rate and bring all the debts into a single loan. One of the gotchas for this, um, so one of the traps, is that um, if you have one loan that has a term of five years and one loan that has a term of three years, the banks do not like you to extend the terms of the various loans. So you'll need to come up with a payment and a, because if we extend the loan from three years to five years, then we're potentially going to be paying more interest. But it could be by consolidating them into one loan that we're actually able to um, pay the same amount and end up paying it off faster. Okay, so but it's a complicated series of calculations that we need to do to make sure that we're not paying more interest than we were initially. And it's not just about interest, it's about all the additional fees that you might be paying on the, on the loans. When we're looking to do the debt consolidation, we also need to look at any of the exit fees, so those early repayment fees, to actually switch it over to make sure that it, that it is worth switching. Sometimes uh, the cost to refinance is not worth it because of all the additional fees. So you need to look at other ways to get that debt paid down faster. So it's not, it's not a simple, simple calculation or simple thing to do. That's why you use a financial advisor like, like us. So understanding your credit score is really important. So what rate is the lender likely to offer you? So going to mycentrix.co.nz, you can run your own report, or to equifax.co.nz, or Illion. Uh, credit card balance transfers, um, you can get the store, and personal loans versus car loan. If the um, amount that you've got on your credit cards is over a certain limit, then um, you might want to do something, something else. Also be aware that personal loans and car loans that they're looking at is um, the limits that the, the, the banks have is typically around 30000 I've got an example of doing a credit card balance transfer where we had a GEM visa at 8000 an ANZ credit card which was on the 19.95 and um, the total debt that they had was 9852 their, minimum, their monthly payments were $423. We did it at the um, we did a balance transfer to a cooperative fair rate credit card, which has a, a 12.95% um, interest rate. M meant our minimum payments went from 423 down to 390, and the only other fee that it had was a $10 every six months, as opposed to the um, $60 per annum that we had on our ANZ credit card. It meant we were able to pay the, the loan off much faster. Total debt was repaid in 26 months as opposed to 36 months. So 10 months early. What could you do with well, $423 times 10, $4,230, what could you do with that? And so that's the end of the, the topic here. So understanding, understanding what your debts are, how you get the debts, getting it paid back is about understanding all the costs that are involved and then figuring out what your specific strategy and plan is. So knowing what your debts are, why you've got them, what your credit score is, and then paying off your highest interest rate to your lowest. You've been listening to Elise Vine, financial advisor from Building on Basics. 
Finance Made Easy is a podcast series about personal finance made with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. Podcasts are available on the Plains FM website, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.